Today we've got Crow777 with us today, researcher, moon extraordinaire. This guy really goes into anything anything that you could really ask him. He's very diverse and, you know, Crow, listening to a lot of your shows and stuff that you've done, man, like I thought that you were just the moon guy because I had, I had watched your uh, documentary um, that your partner had made and I just consider you like, oh, this is like a moon guy. He doesn't really go into any other topics. But, you know, on Tinfoil Hat, you talk about Bitcoin. And on the Alchemy Show, you're talking about, uh, you know, your rights and your liberties. And I, I was just really impressed with how well versed you are in almost every single facet of uh, exploration in the alternate alternative media. Well, when you, you know... When you start to realize things like what we call space have been misdescribed, then you start to question everything, um, and that is a, a never-ending process. So that's kind of how how I got to, to looking at so many different things because at some point you got to throw everything out and start over. Yes, sir. So so you started in the military, and then once you got out is is when you uh, you bought your first telescope and started with all of this research. Is that correct? Yeah, I served as, uh, in the Marine Corps during the first Gulf War. Uh, when I got out, uh, I had a terrible job as a bouncer, actually. <laughs> I hated that job. I was all alone as a bouncer. Terrible thing to have to do. But uh, I went into debt really big. Uh, right around the time, people can look up the comet Hale-Bopp. I, I got my scope, I don't know, some months before the comet Hale-Bopp showed up. Um, and it was a big deal. I'd never, I was, I went in debt to do it. It was a fully robotic made in America mead back, back when things were made here and made well. And, uh, I don't know. I think maybe a car is the only thing that I've gone in debt at that point in my life that much. Uh, but it was worth every penny. Um, that scope led me to places I couldn't have dreamed of. And so what really kicked it off the the big event that kicked it off was you were having a family party or just a get together and um your nephew had seen some uh flying objects in the sky and he's like uncle crow you take a look at this and you're like oh man i'll never see anything like that in my life and then lo and behold you ended up capturing these objects many times well that was the night of the supermoon in, 20, I think, May of 2012. I don't know. It's been a long time now. But he saw black triangles. And so, you know, I'm thinking, well, you were lucky. We'll never see that. But everyone there saw them for hours, two, maybe three hours, these black triangles. And we had an eyepiece. Eyepiece is a much better view than you'll ever get with a camera. I don't know. Cameras are getting good now. But back in the day, you were never going to get close. I still don't think a camera will get you there. Uh, it's such a crisp view. Um, and we saw these black triangles. And so the next day, I went out to get what I needed to couple. A, I think I had a Canon T2i at the time, only 16 megapixels. Um, but I coupled my uh, camera the next day, filmed, started filming, thinking I'll, I'll film a year and never catch anything like that. It wasn't actually too long, a week or two, maybe just a few days. 
and we started catching these weird black things that I shot so many of, and then lo and behold, that was May. By the time September of that year, uh, I accidentally caught the first lunar wave, or the so-called lunar wave. So... Now, when when I first saw the lunar wave, and I wasn't really, I, I'm not really a simulation guy, but when I see the lunar wave, it, to me, it it would be exactly what I would expect if this were a simulation. And for anybody listening, you can just go on YouTube and type in lunar wave and look for the 2012 video, and it's extremely remarkable. It, it looks like one of those old VHS tapes where the line is like refreshing across the screen, across the screen, and it's uncanny. And at first, you want to think that it's a uh, a glitch from the camera, but from what I understand, Crow, uh, it's not the camera. Well, it's provable because of the camera pan. It was provable from the outset. As a matter of fact, um, I almost deleted that clip when it happened because I thought it was camera and then I went back and forth for a long time. I finally deleted that clip off my computer and um, that night I had the epiphany where all at once I realized, oh my God, the camera pan proves this is a filmed event. So I jumped up and restored it. Um, the rest is history, but you know, we, we should say some things about the lunar wave. Uh, if, I, if I was to name it now, uh, I certainly wouldn't call it a lunar wave. It's been filmed number of times in front of Jupiter, uh, Saturn. Uh, I think there's actually other film too. So we know certainly that at least it can be seen over the ecliptic where the sun, moon, and roughly the planets go. But if I had to rename it, I might call it something like a firmament wave. Uh, almost looks like you're looking through liquid um, would be the way that I would describe it. You know how like if you're in a restaurant and you see someone's straw in a glass of water, it looks like the straw's broken. Um, the 2012 footage shows you as each wave passes, it, it, it offsets or displaces every little supposed landmark on the moon. Um, I'll, I'll just call it landmark. I don't accept that. But you can see that each little thing you can see on the moon is displaced twice by the wave. So in other words, the whole position of the moon is slightly displaced by the time the second wave has gone by. And what's crazy is that these, these waves we could call them, uh, they always come in twos, correct? Yeah, they always come in twos. Uh, the period varies. Um, but what's really interesting about it is when it finally was caught in front of, I think it was Jupiter, um, you got to realize, like, if you're looking at Jupiter with your eye, it looks like a tiny point of light. So if you've got a good eyepiece and you've enlarged your view of it, it's still a very... I don't know how to describe it for people that aren't familiar with optics. In other words, the moon would be a bigger distance um, for something to travel, so you would consider that it would take longer for a wave that's going in front of it or you know, in the area of it to take longer. But when you see the Jupiter wave, it does not go by in the blink of an eye, so it's really quite interesting. And so it, it is your position that the moon, in fact, makes its own light, it, that, that is... It is a luminary. Yeah, I accept um, for the most part, not not totally, but the oldest or much older than we currently allow with science, the descriptions that were going on back in the day, uh, I, I accept those as closer to reality, and I think it's quite likely that it is, in fact, creating its own light. How you prove that, I don't know. I've heard from 
other researchers, they've described the sun and the moon as portals, and maybe that's a little, maybe that's a step too far, but do you have any thoughts on that? Well, when you use a word like portal, it's a loaded term because too much Hollywood ends Mm. up in your mind when you think of a word like that. Um, For people who have ever sun-gazed, and by the way, don't go out and stare at the sun unless you know what you're doing. It's, you know, would you give a baby a jalapeno is what I always say. Just don't do it unless you understand what to do. You hurt your eyes badly, permanently maybe. But when you sun gaze, after you get up to minutes and minutes of being able to stare straight into the sun, it kind of does almost look like a tunnel or something that you could go into. Um, But that's appearance. Um, As a matter of fact, I was sun gazing one time when Mercury was transiting. Uh, It was a little black dot. But I don't think I, maybe I wouldn't use the word portal, um, but it is not, in my view, a solid object. Um, I like that you use the word luminary because that's how I would describe all the so-called planets and the sun and the moon. I would describe them as luminaries. And, you know, there have been uh, classical religions that worship the sun, like they would gaze at it for hours and hold their palms to the sun. Um what do you think the sun represents? Well, this is a tough topic because uh, where we live, uh, predominantly Christianity in our part of the world, and you've been told it, that sun worship is evil, but even in the Bible, the sun is encoded front to back, and that can be demonstrated. Um, what the sun is is what allows life here, if we want to be honest about it. Without the sun, we don't have light. So all the light that we experience here is created by the sun. Um, Not only that, in my view, the sun is electric. In my view, the moon is more magnetic. The sun would be more masculine. The feminine side would be over to lunar concerns. Um, So basically, it's the cause of life, if you really want to think about it. Think of all the things that require photosynthesis. Think of all the things that require warmth. Um, And not only that, People don't want to admit it, but the sky clock is playing the tune we're all dancing to. I don't know how you experience seasons down on this world where we live and then don't consider the importance of the sky clock because what's creating the seasons is the sky clock. And everybody knows if the horseshoe crabs come in, well, why do they come in at the same same night every year? Well, that's because of the moon. Um, the Great Barrier Reef, one of the largest supposed living things, that thing spawns every year at the same time. That's because of the sun and the moon. Um, it's all driven by the sky clock. So to downplay the sun or make it some evil thing for, for people taking interest, it's, it's ridiculous. It's the cause of life here. And the sun is actually cooler the further or the closer you get to it. All the old alchemists used to state that everybody knows the sun is not hot. Um, they would do all kinds of no-nonsense proofs. One of them is the snow at the top of mountains. Of course, science will have its answer. Well, there's less atmosphere. And there's, but basically, from the point of view of the old alchemists, um, it's just heating matter, I guess, is the way I'd describe it. But they make some other claims that I'd like to test. They claim that if you're in the bottom of a well at noon and you look up, you will see uh, the nighttime sky in, at noon. Um, there's all these claims from old alchemists that I would like to give a go, but uh, I'm convinced as much as I can be. It's not a ball of flame or some nuclear furnace, but it does, in fact, maybe energetically, 
uh, heat matter up and you know think about what it means to go to the top of Mount Everest or something like that. It's frozen up there. How much closer to the sun are you? Think about it. And the the sun and the moon, I've heard you say, are within our atmosphere. They're not. They're not extraterrestrial. People argue about this, and I don't really know how to prove it one way or the other right now, but when I think of the sun and the moon, they're here for our system. They're not, I don't accept that the sun is 93 million miles away, and I don't accept that the moon is 340,000, over a quarter of a million, whatever it is they state. But there's all kinds of things that we can demonstrate. Like, we can demonstrate a solar eclipse is not being eclipsed by the moon. Um, I filmed tons of eclipses. Every eclipse I could film over the period of five years, both solar and lunar and all the transits of Venus and other things, um, I filmed them all. And I set out, I finally realized, I set out to do a test to detect the moon. You can't do it. And uh, after I realized that the moon is not eclipsing the sun during what's called the solar eclipse, uh, I realized that the old Vedic tradition was probably telling the truth. It's what's called nodes. We call them nodes. They call them Ketu and Rahu. Um, basically where the ecliptic crosses the equator. Um, it's just a point in space the way that we view it. Um, but I, I accept currently uh, that the nodes are causing the solar eclipses, at least the ones that I have filmed and witnessed. Could you could you go a little uh, more into that uh, with the nodes idea uh, causing the eclipse? Uh, I really can't. Uh, it's apparently see-through to some degree. Um, I, I don't know enough about it. The most that I was able to learn was going to old Vedic traditions. And the problem is, um, you know, like if you go to astronomy, you're going to get the science point of view. If you go to astrology, you're going to get the astrology point of view. And I'm not looking for a point of view. I want to kind of know what's, what can we demonstrate? What can we work out to be correct or at least probably correct? Um, and so it leaves a big gap in our knowing. But what I can tell you certainly is that we're told the, the sun is at 93 million-ish miles away, the brightest thing we know, and that the moon is only roughly a quarter of a million, a little further than that, actually. And so it's backlit by the sun at 93 million miles by the brightest light we can look at. And you can't detect it. You can't detect it coming into the eclipse. You can't detect it as it's taking a bite out of the sun. You can't detect it when it's full. You can't detect it when it's exiting. You can't detect it after the fact. I use multiple high-level optic systems, 11-inch scope, 8-inch scope, every filter known to man, a hydrogen alpha solar scope, um, light obliteration techniques, a full-spectrum camera. I had all these tools amassed, and you cannot detect the moon coming into a so-called solar eclipse. And what's more is the the sun is what's called an infinite light source i was a roadie for a long time so i know knew something about lighting before i got into this as an example if you take like a spotlight and you put it on a person it'll he'll make a shadow on the wall but if you move the position of the spotlight the size of the shadow will change if you get closer the shadow get bigger for you know everyone knows how that works but with an infinite light source, and there are stage lights that qualify as infinite light sources, you can put it anywhere, and the shadow remains the size of the object casting the shadow. So the sun is an infinite light source. So whatever is blocking the sun during an eclipse, and I, I accept currently that it's the nodes, 
Um, we were told the shadow on the Earth last time around was 70 or 72 miles wide or something like that. If, if that's all true, um, then we know the size of the object that eclipsed the sun. It's 70-some miles, or was at that time. Where does the double sun uh, fall into all of this? Hard to know. Um, a lot of people who have looked at old, like, Masonic woodcuts, you know, those little line drawings, uh, you'll always see that the source for the sun is beyond the clouds or coming through lenses. Um, and just by chance, well, the, the way it actually happened when I filmed the supposed second sun is I'd been filming at night with a full-spectrum camera, and I kept finding this bright spot in the night sky with the full-spectrum camera. I kept thinking, what's causing this? It's like I could find it almost any time I went looking, about a third of the sky away from the moon to the east is where I used to find it in San Diego when I was filming there. And I was thinking, you know, it's clearly a bright spot. The only way you can see it is with a full-spectrum camera. And I could never determine what it was. And so one day when I had the hydrogen alpha solar scope on the sun, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go look around and see what I can find. And about two to three sun widths to the left and up one, um, there was this perfect mirror image of the sun, not in focus, kind of blurry. And so I thought it was lens flare. And I didn't have all the time solar filming that I did with the moon, so I was kind of afraid to say much about it because I didn't want to get it wrong. Um, that was in 2016 or 2015, I forget. Um, but years later, another guy, Chris Van Maitre, um, he duplicated what I did. And ironically, he did exactly what I did. We were thinking it's got to be some kind of reflection or, you know, like a light leak somewhere. So we both got these long four-foot black tubes, like a cardboard tube, and put it over the scope to ensure no light. Uh, we're spinning the lenses, spinning the camera, doing all these things. But the irony was when I finally posted it after it had been replicated in, I don't know, what was it, 2019? I don't even remember. So I've spent so many things to keep track of. I think it was 2019. Um, Might have been the end of 2018. I don't remember. Um, when I finally posted it and said, look, you know, it's possible we're looking at a second sun here. Some of the people that I knew in the medical community that were trained in Vedic traditions, ancient Chinese traditions, notified me and said we were taught that there was a source sun, a second sun. And anyone who's read the Falconelli work, you'll also see that they appear to be talking about a, I don't know, I guess I'd call it a source sun, the thing that powers our sun or something like that, I guess mm. is the idea. But that's how all that happened. That makes me think of the hidden hand of Freemasonry and, you know, some other esoteric, occultic knowledge type things. You know, the, the hidden uh, thing that, uh, you know, guides everything along. Well, the thing about the sun that people refuse to examine with an open mind and an open heart is it's encoded in absolutely everything, even the word Mason. It's, you know, it's the, the sun in May, um, if you break it apart in the way that it's being encoded. Um, but even in our biblical scripture, and we're not alone, it's everywhere. It's in all the old standing biblical or, you know, I guess what you'd call religious scriptural traditions. It's everywhere. And it's starting to be demonstrated more and more every day now. The importance of the sun can't be understated. Without it, we don't have life as we know it. It's that simple. We're not warm. We don't have light. Um, we don't have growing green things that require photosynthesis. Water 
would freeze, you know, all these things we can point at. So back in the day, um, before all this modern stuff that we have, people took the sun very seriously. Um, and so what happened in our part of the world is the religion started to say, oh, well, you're, you know, you're worshiping the sun, you're going to hell, you're a cult solar worshiper to belittle the very thing that provides life here. So it's kind of a catch-22 to try to talk about it now because half the people will accuse you of being a, a sun worshiper instead of thinking about the importance of what's actually being shown. So I'm, I'm going to ask maybe a stupid question, but a question that might come to someone's mind uh, if they're listening. If the sun is cold, the closer that you get to it, and it, it's it's not, you know, 500 billion degrees or, you know, whatever they say about it, um, when, it when it's dark, why does it get cooler? And when the sun comes out, why does the earth warm up? Well, I wish I could answer those definitively, but from what I've researched and read, uh, if you want to go with the old, very old descriptions, I guess you could consider that vibrational rates or frequencies or electricity in some form is coming from the sun, something like electricity, it's not electricity, um, and when it interacts with matter, it creates warmth. So as we know uh, from all the cymatics episodes and other things we've done, uh, science will tell you that cold is just the absence of heat. I don't accept that. It's a vibrational rate. Something that is colder than another thing is not vibrating at the same rate. And so if you put all those things together, I guess you could start to consider um, that what the sun's actually doing is when it, the energy it's putting off comes in contact with matter, it excites it or lifts the vibration a bit or however you would describe the creation of heat. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? That makes me think of like, um, like Portland. You know, they say it rains three hundred days a year, and you know it has the highest per capita suicides in the nation. And so the sun shining, making everyone happy, and then also making it warm, which also makes people happy. I guess lends credence to what you were just saying. It's ironic how easily a place like the Vatican back in the day uh, made pagans enemy of the state when the word pagan simply meant a person who lives and understands nature, lives in nature. But that's what they did. They started separating people from the natural world. And as soon as you were separated from the creation, what I call the creation, which is perfect, there is no lie in nature, when you've been separated from that demonstration, this example of perfection, then it starts to get easier to mess with people's heads and get them to accept things they shouldn't accept. You'll, you'll notice almost everywhere you look when people are being subjugated, one of the things that happens early on is the separation from nature. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, I mean, I mean, how obvious is that then right now? I mean, you know, all, all these people are being told to stay inside and... Don't go outside. Don't go to the beach. They're shutting down the beaches, and makes no sense. It for makes a logical mind. For a logical mind, it's clear on the face of it uh, that there's a boondoggle going on. Um, I call it the largest coup d'état in the history of the world. That's how I refer to it. But uh, you're in, you're a new channel, so I'll go easy here because this is a thing that will get you censored. 
Oh no! Which so also, I mean, also tells us something. I've already I've already been deleted off of uh well one of my videos was deleted off YouTube. I I made a four and a half hour Corona expose because I <laughs> I drive for a living, so I all day long I get to listen to all of these podcasts for you know six to ten hours. So over the last three and a half years that I've got into the alternative media community, I've just powered through a, you know, a bunch of the catalogs of all these different people. And so I, I just decided, like, you know what, I'll take my knowledge base and I'll you know, put it together in a channel and talk to the people that I most respect in this community. And uh, so, I mean, like, I'll, I'll go way off the wall, man. I mean, you know, YouTube is already has already taken down my Corona expose and I, I'm not getting I'm not getting anything over there. So I, I mainly use BitChute and uh, SoundCloud and stuff for putting up my uh, podcast. So I, I'm, I'm not worried about well, that, that YouTube and all that. Well, that something, too, if you're not harming anyone and you're just talking about a topic. And they won't allow you to do it. That tells you whether you should be believing in things. Um, that's where we get in trouble when we start believing in things, because a human being can take a thing apart, can use its God-given logic to work out what's correct. Um, and this whole pandemic, which incidentally is also, I uh, won't get into it. It, it. it all echoes back to the Greek myth of Pan and the goat and all these other things. Mm. Corona would be Kronos and the crown, of course. Kronos is Saturn or time. <clears throat> it's a shell game. And, and, you know, what people are complaining about with all the shutdowns, that's the smoke screen that's allowing them to do all the things somewhere else that they're trying to accomplish. But don't be fooled. All the rights that they manage to sweep away, they'll hold on to all that power. Like if they do a lockdown and everyone listens, then they do another one. Seems like they're getting ready to right now. And everyone listens. Do you suppose they'll have decided in their mind they can use that tactic anytime they want? Um, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. James Corbett actually made a, a fantastic podcast back in March. And he was talking about how this is medical martial law, what they're doing to us. And he's like, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it because I know they've already thought about it. What if they do this medical martial law and then they ease the lockdowns and everybody's like, huh, that wasn't so bad. So when they start shutting it down again, everybody's like, okay, get ready to hunker down. Like, it's just going to be another month and a half like last time. And I'm just like... Now when it's rolling around again, I'm just like, oh my God, he nailed it. Well, from so many of the shows we've done, it's insidious. All of it is, literally, it is the definition of, of good versus evil. The system that everyone is so fooled by, our commerce system and corporations and all these systems we use, they're death-based. Corporation's a good example. Um, it's a thing that's given the rights of a living man or a woman, but it's dead. It has no life, no existence. Even the beginning of that word, the prefix corpse, tells you what it is. Um, but what's going on here is if you understand the older descriptions of things in the world that matter, you will understand that the breath of a man or a woman is the spirit of a man or a woman. So basically what's going on is you are putting a corporate veil over your spirit. How close to The Walking Dead do you feel now that I've just said that? 
how will you ever be able to watch another zombie movie without realizing who's being made fun of? And that's only the half of it. Um, all the legal stuff that we've gotten into, and we've demonstrated that all these human beings in this country think there's a constitution and a declaration of independence, and every time they're drug into a courtroom, they are literally, literally defined as enemy, an enemy combatant since 1933 which is further proven by the gold fringe on the flag everywhere. That means you're at war for people who don't know and think it's just pretty. Um, there's nothing on a flag that doesn't have a meaning. But when you come around to understanding the overarching kind of takeover that's been going on for longer than I've been alive, um, what you're looking at here is the culmination. But in a lot of ways, it is literally good versus evil. And I'll ask everyone listening, um, are you okay with covering your spirit? Think about what I'm asking you. Um, it's a hell of a thing. And when you think of it carefully and you start to realize, I don't think you'll be so readily doing those things. And the shame of it is, is commerce and having a job. All these threats were brought to bear. If you don't do this, you won't be able to make money and all these things. The point is, um, would you sell your soul if that was a thing that you could do? If someone said, I'll give you a million dollars, can I have your soul, would you do it? Because that's basically what's going on here. You're making a spiritual choice as a human being uh, while you're being bullied into the corner. And, you know, here we are at the crossroads to make a terrible pun. And I have friends and family that are, you know, some of their thinking is, you know, I'll just take the vaccine if we can go back to normal or... You know, uh, one of my buddies, he's like, I got to get tested for work. I'm just like, don't get the test. I'm like, who knows what they're doing with that test? I know that they have patents and stuff for putting vaccines on nasal swabs, and I'm not inferring that that's what's going on here, but I know that they have that technology that they can do that. So I'm just like, dude, you don't know what you're doing when you get tested, and then if you get a positive test, you know, then you're just another, you're, you're in the system. So I'm just like, look, if, if they can coerce you into taking the test to return to work, then they can coerce you into taking the vaccine to return to work. And, you know, he's a big Christian guy and everything like that. And I'm just like, look, man, if you're not going to put your foot down now, when are you going to? And then it sounds good in theory, like, oh, when it really counts, that's when I'll step up. It's like, all right, but you already took 10 of the 11 steps. Uh, and now you're you're just gonna finally not take the last step when it really counts. I, I just have trouble believing that. It's one hell of a thing when a human being stops, considers what's happened, reasonably looks at all this, and understands the amount of effort being exerted to try to force everyone to get something shot into their body based on a lie. When you know that it's not true, the reason, then you've got to question what's in that thing. And that gets to be problematic because everyone online gets excited and they'll tell you everything from you'll turn into a werewolf till you're dropped dead, um, when clearly uh, neither of those things is probably true. Mm -hmm. uh, point is, is why are they so keen to do it? And since we know everything that's gone on is about control, how can we not assume that that is another piece of the control? And by the way, um, we're ending an era Matter of fact, uh, where are we here? We're on November 24th as we record this. So a month from now, 
little less than a month from now, 20-something days, I guess, 28, 29, I don't know. On the 21st of December will be the low point of the sun, which is a big deal every solar year, but the Great Conjunction happens on the winter solstice or the low point of the sun this year. Truly, we will be entering, exiting the old age. So when you understand everything that's gone on here, and even if you didn't know any of that, and I asked you, are we in the era... In January this year, will we be in the same era that we were a year, year and a half ago? Most people would say, hell no. It's completely different. Everything is different. Well, astronomically, we are in fact flat out ending an era. And the transition and all that stuff people talk about, I don't accept. I think we're by all that. I think we are firmly in the new era, which will be represented by air ideas. Think of all our currency right now is based in water ideas. A bank. It's the bank of a river. Currency. Current of the sea. Uh, I could go on and on and on. Almost every word you can associate with commerce is associated to nautical ideas. All that's going to begin to shift to air ideas. Partnership, uh, business, or uh, citizenship. All, all ships. Yeah. It's all based on admiralty law, which was what I was pointing out earlier. It was what they used to make you the enemy of the state. Um, and treat you as if you were a dead person because you can only summons a ghost, right? You can't summons a living, you can't summon a living person. What do you think's going on when you get that summons? It's a sick game that they've been playing a long time, but so many people are catching on. But think about the digital dollar. There it is. We're leaving the water with our money ideas. Now it's going into the air, into the ether. Um, how about what did they used to call those little ear? earbuds you get with a phone well now they're calling them airpods you, you, you'll notice i saw the other day a new beer coming out called air something mm. all the air ideas will come in to prove to you that what i'm telling you is correct and in this new era there will be living men and women born with incredible abilities you probably already met some how many young people do you know that could play music at a level that is almost mind-boggling or artistically create things at a level that their parents couldn't in five lifetimes or any number of examples like this. Almost everybody knows someone. It's because we're going into the new age. So now come around to that shot they want everyone to take. Is that just another way to control all these exceptional young lives that are about to come online, that are coming online? Is that part of what's going on here? All I'm saying is your body is your temple. And nobody has a right to infringe on it. And when they start threatening you, then you should understand immediately that you should do everything in your power to get the hell away from it. Because truly, your body is your temple. And when forces are exerting that much pressure on a lie based on a thing we can show not to be true. I mean, was two months ago, what did the CDC say? Oh, we admit that only 6% of the numbers we've been spewing have any accuracy. And then, what was it, a month after that? They admitted that the overall death rate for the calendar year of 2020 is lower than the calendar year of 2019. So we shut the world. You're telling me bodies are stacking up like cordwood, but now we find out the death rate's lower and they shut the entire world based on that lie? Just saying. Um, that, that inoculation is a hell of a thing, and it's on you. If you take it, you allowed that to happen. And if you allow someone to co coerce you or frighten you or threaten you into it, you are still giving your tacit permission. 
and this whole death-based legal system is based on permission, believe it or not. And the information is right there for, for everyone to see. If you just go on corporateresearch.com, I believe is, is the website, um, you can find that Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, all of these companies have paid billions in fines for false advertising. That was Pfizer. Pfizer had to pay $2.4 billion dollars uh, in a court settlement for false marketing. Which, and, which is probably like pulling a quarter out of my pocket. Oh, exactly. To them, to them, that was like losing a quarter or something. And, and not only that, people are starting, you know, in the name the name game that goes on, like Marderna, I just saw someone breaking down the RNA on the end of that name mm. and linking it specifically uh, with the inoculations that are coming. But, you know, all businesses, we once known it, how, how businesses operate. It's out the window. The other day I got an email from Netflix saying, you know what, we're going to give you a free year of Netflix if you just stay home and watch TV because of COVID. What kind of a business model is that? And like you just said, these huge drug companies getting fined billions. Normally, a board of directors and shareholders would be concerned of the loss of billions. For some reason, they're not because money doesn't matter anymore. Money is not king. Money has not been king since probably at least the year 2000 when the CEO of Sun Microsystems stood up and told the world truthfully, even though no one would believe him, that there was no more privacy left in the world. But look, you get all these cool things like email for free. Um, he told you the truth. We just didn't understand. What is king now is data. What will be king for the rest of my life is data because data is more powerful than money could ever, ever be. With enough data and computing power, you can have a time machine. You can predict the future to a 98% certainty. There's endless things you can do. And for people who don't believe it, go look up simple little first grade things that you used to know about, like the wisdom of the crowd. We'll get 100 people to guess how many gumballs in this mason jar, hint, hint, hint. Um, that's wisdom of the crowd. Well, magically, if you get about 2,000 people and average all the guesses, it's on the money. How does that work? You know, think about it. Or, or the law of high numbers, which is how, a lot of how Vegas was put on. But what's going on now is data collection, which I guess you could call it infinite. Nobody knows how much data was collected today. And guess what? Tomorrow, there's just as much, if not more. And so it gives a data set that was probably never dreamed of. And the bigger the data set, the more power that can be derived from it. Um, and so now think about what's going on in the world. How many models were run to show how this would all come out, I would ask. Well, it seems like these are all number games. And um, I'm a big follower of Zachary Hubbard's work. I think he has a lot of... Uh, a lot of things nailed down with Gematria and I've I've heard you talk on prior podcasts about uh, the idea of ritual sacrifice and Gematria and um, you know you were describing how you didn't think that Paul Walker was really dead because uh, there were so many um, statistical anomalies with his death and the numbers and everything like that. Um, is, is Gematria something that you still follow or pay attention to? Well, I don't do it like Zach does 
does it. I do very basic occult reduction and occult addition. Um, and the reason I do those because it's been demonstrated that secret societies have been using those. But I, the reason I don't accept any of the desks, because I don't accept anything the lying news says. I know what the intent of Hollywood and the news is. I don't accept anything as true from those places, and I never will. They've been caught at lies of such immense proportion. I don't. One thing I don't understand about the average person is like when you come to grips that things like 9-11 were a complete put-up, completely staged, had nothing to do with us being attacked from some supposed 19 terrorists with box cutters or whatever the ridiculous story is. When you get lied to at that level, how do you ever again accept anything from news, from government, from the supposed people that are charged with our well-being? Because that's the idea of government in the minds of most people. But then again, we've gotten so far from common sense, people don't even know what the word government means. M-E-N-T, meant, always means mind. If you see a word with meant in it, it's mind. Govern means to control. Government means to control your mind. Entertainment. Same thing going on there. Enter, to go in, tame, to hold, meant, mind. Go in and hold your mind. How is it that we got so far away from understanding that words have meanings and they're used in our face all the time and in very specific ways? How many times have you seen court things go on where you think they're speaking English, but then you realize they're using the words I think I know how to use, but they mean something different? Well, you want to know what they mean? Go pick up Black. That's right, I said it. Black's Law Dictionary. And you'll understand. Look up what a person is. It'll blow your damn mind. That's the world we live in. That's the world that's been pulled up over your eyes. And we're coming into a new age, and people are going to need to grow up quick. And the people who refuse to grow up, I don't know what happens. Maybe we end up with a lot less people. I don't know. I have no crystal ball or data sets that I can data mine to figure it out. What I have is the common sense God gave me. But I'm no different than you or anyone listening. When you quit swallowing because someone told you to swallow, when you go back and examine everything because the level of lies you can now detect that have been told, then you start to get back to a truer sense of what's going on in this world. Um, after all, how is it that you can be told we went to the moon and everyone knows damn well we didn't? When you get lied to of that magnitude, how do you ever go back to accepting anything from these sources. And when you can't accept anything from the supposed sources who are here to supposedly take care of your well-being and inform you, then what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You grow the hell up like a human being and you say, I don't need a king or a queen because I am a human being and I can figure these things out for myself. Um, we just did a show on anarchy, showed the real meaning of that. Most people think it means lawlessness doesn't mean anything of the kind. It means to be without an archon or a, or a king, without a ruler. That's kind of where we went south. At some point in the history of human beings, we quit taking care of ourselves and respecting the righteous laws that govern the world, nature, and we started substituting in a king's whims and statutes and all this nonsense that binds us now. So now we've kind of hit the wall. We've got to figure out a way to get back now uh, because what's going on here isn't working. 
to say the least. And the Constitution, kind of like you were just referring to, has been changed several times um, dramatically. You know, we had the Articles of Confederation to start out with, and we were a lot more free, from what I understand, under that than we were in 1789 when we came out with the Constitution. And then in 1871, I believe it was, you know, we made it so it's not the United States for America, it's now the United States of America. And like you were saying, words have so much meaning. Like I was listening to this uh, linguistics expert on tinfoil hat and she was amazing. She was just talking about, because we all know about how they call it television programming, but she was like, well, let's look at the first word, tell a vision. And then, you know, people say to you, good morning. And it's like, well, why do we say morning? Morning is a sad thing. You know, we're usually, if we're mourning, then we're sad. And so words and all of these legal things, they... They matter, and I've heard you talk about you know being an honor and universal law and accepting or not accepting offers, and I, I just was wondering if you had any more thoughts on that because that's really interesting to me. We were never taught anything in school except how to get along in a system that doesn't benefit us for the most part. That's what we were taught. Most of what passed for learning in my lifetime and by the way, we've been in free fall from just as recently as the 1800s. What a human being knew and was taught at the end of the 1800s is so far from where we are now. We almost are the idiocracy right now. But what you were taught, for the most part in school, was to memorize and regurgitate to get your A. Um, for the most part, that's what we did. And that's not learning. And so we've been conditioned six ways to Sunday. Um, and we lost our way for a while there. We'll get it back. Enough people waking up now. We're on the road. We're getting a new era. We understand it's going to get rough here. So some of us are going to have to stand up. And hopefully the other ones are going to say, hey, yeah, that's for me too. And they'll stand up too. Um, point is, we don't even understand language anymore. We don't even know what a word means. We don't even know how the encoded use of language is enslaving us all. How many people understand the phonetic value of a word? Sounds like is like. Um, I just did a big show on that. When you were taught in school, uh, you were taught a useful thing about language, about the prefix, the root, and the suffix, but that kind of misses the mark to where we are now, where we're using phonetics, etymology, and word splitting, and all these other things to detect the actual meaning of what's being bandied about right in our faces. Um, you know, Anarchy is a good example. If you ask probably 10 people on the street, what does anarchy mean? They'll say lawlessness or complete chaos. It's not true. Bands like the Sex Pistols and that construct and Hollywood have tried to make it become that, but the meaning of that word actually is to be without a ruler. Self-ruling, you know, like an adult grown human being with a righteous mind that can go out on the land and live as a man or a woman on the land righteously that's what's being buried in the shuffle but one of the biggest losses probably a little longer than my lifetime is people's ability to understand language and secondarily uh, moral values because on, in the 60s that came under attack 
and they basically broke the family unit in the 60s. They drugged the living bejesus out of a very large generation. Those people are our grandparents right now, most of them. Um, and they changed everything. Everything this country had been was completely rearranged from that point forward. And that set the stage for what's come on in 2020. Um, but you were alluding to the earlier forms of law. Apparently there was a time when living men and women with rights and the divine spark fully recognized lived in this country on this continent. Um, there were a few things that happened. You mentioned a couple of them. By the time we got to 1933, we'd all been securitized. We'd all been made enemies of the state, enemy combatants to be exact. And uh, now what we are is a corporation from birth. Uh, we're our straw man identity, that legal name that we all think is us, because we're not bright enough anymore to realize that when the judge says, is this you? No, that's not me. You're holding a legal fiction in your hand. It is not me. I am over here, the living man with the divine spark and the righteous intent. That's what I am over here. What you're holding on to is an all caps legal fiction that you're going to try to make me responsible for because you know you can't violate my universal rights you will do terrible things to that piece of paper and then fool me into being responsible for that piece of paper basically but like i said a lot of us have caught on and this is all about to get challenged and all i can say at this point is i hope a lot more people are fed up to their eyeballs and start looking around and coming back to common sense because we could use all the help we can get right now. If I could just ask you one more question, because I know that you got a jam, but um, I, I was thinking pretty deeply when you were talking about being an honor and um, some of those kinds of concepts. And, you know, I, I started thinking about, because I have a, I have a Catholic background, although now I'm I was an atheist, and now I'm spiritual. Um, still trying to parse that out, um, but you know, I'm reminded of the idea. You know, thou shalt not kill. Those who live by the sword die by the sword, and we have potential chaos coming up with the results of the election. If it gets flipped, or if it remains for Biden, it seems like either side is ready for civil war. And we have Joe Biden almost, you know, he, he can't stop saying it, that it's going to be a dark winter, a very dark winter. You're talking about December 21st being the low point of the sun. The, he's, also, he's also referencing a published paper called Dark Winter, by yes. the way, just so you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I've been stockpiling. Well, maybe not stockpiling. I don't have that much of a stockpile. But, you know, I, I have... I have guns, I have ammo, but when I really try to to sit and think about it as much as I can, if some, even if a, a horde of marauders were banging down my door, I don't know if I could point a gun at them and and shoot an, another human being. Um, when when you were talking about being an honor, it reminded me of all of those feelings and thou shalt not kill. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. You know, what are your thoughts on, on on that, if you will? You know, in my lifetime, 
I'm going to be 60 here in a couple years. Um, there was a time when I was young when two people would live in honor. They'd make an agreement and the handshake sealed it. And both of them understood that the agreement and the word that had been given was infallible and they would both honor it. That's been replaced now by contracts and legal papers and legal in other words if a human being is living in honor what need do you have of any of that stuff and when you have that stuff what becomes of the human beings that used to live in honor well I think we can see very few people keep their word in the same way that they used to back in the day uh, living in honor is among the highest ideals it's a big deal because a person who lives in honor is not going to sit by and watch something horrible happen to their neighbor and do nothing. Because if you live in honor, you understand what could be done to that human being could be done to me. When I was in the Gulf War, how was it that we were all just fine with watching a country based on lies get destroyed? Well, it's happening over there. It doesn't affect me. I can just watch it on TV. But look where we are now. What could happen to them can happen to you. So when we get back to living in honor, we'll give a damn about the other lives around us. And when we start to give a damn about the other lives around us, then people are not so easy to push around. Because a lot of this works on fear, and a lot of this works on getting you used to seeing stuff done to other people. Um, so the idea of honor, it's a big deal. And by the way, this is not lost when you're in a courtroom. If you show up with an attorney... You have just lost your honor. If you don't say the right words and create a controversy, you have just lost your honor. And once you've lost your honor, your boat is basically sunk in that admiralty court to make a couple terrible puns. The point is, is we're all human beings. We can all get back to where we've come from. Um, seems to me the powers that be really do want to see something akin to the Idiocracy movie. Um, uh, maybe even worse, see how many people they can convince to make terrible decisions and actually reduce the population. But there is a thing called universal law, and I think if a lot of people end up going away, it will be based on terrible decisions they made. And if you're taking shots and other things, those are decisions you're making. Short of someone strapping you to the ground and forcing you, it is your decision, period. So... These ideas, they're big ideas. Um, the idea of spirituality in a human being, I'm glad you're getting back to it. Because without that, what are we? How do we measure anything that matters? How do we climb to the heights of what we all assume a human being can be? Um, and that's part of what's missing right now. We've all kind of been dumbed down, drugged out to some degree by our water and our food and our medicine and our drugs. And uh, we've been beat to the turf. But now it's time to brush off, stand the hell up, look at the person left and right of you, help them back to their feet, and make a damn stand. Because after all, we are all co-creators of this existence. We all were granted, gifted, the divine spark. You're a human being, you're special. And that too is one of the things that is being subjugated. 
Crow man, I could I could talk to you all day. I know you got a jam, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But you know, hopefully we can do this again in the future. I wanted to talk to you about NASA, chemtrails, astrology, alchemy. You make a lot of references to alchemy. I I didn't really uh, I wanted to pick your brain on that a little more, but I guess that's for a future conversation. Yeah, I'm more interested. I, I use the word alchemy so people get the gist of it, and plus it's kind of a it's a lot of people think it's a dirty word. It's just natural sciences. When I use that word, what I'm talking about is achieving using science within what nature will allow, never going beyond the laws and rules of nature. Um, and even just the, you know, what came of alchemy as it became chemistry. And look how, look what chemistry does all the time now. Um, it makes gene editing vaccines. <laughs> we're, go- we're going the wrong way and it's time to get back where we once belonged. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I, I'm glad that I could get you on, man, and I hope you have a fantastic day. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Sorry I'm a bit punch drunk, but I was up most of the night, so there it is. <laughs> it's all good, sir. All right, man. All right. Cheers. Bye.